Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Daryl Black, author of the 1-100 Leadership Solution, How to Be the Leader You Would Want. I'm a leadership coach, facilitator, dad to an amazing son, and all-around nice guy. At least I think so. I think we're as connected a society as we've ever been, yet we're more disconnected than ever. I want to change that. My purpose and passion is to help you learn to connect so you can be a better leader, a better parent, a better partner. This episode is part of my weekly 10-minute Tuesday series where I present a particular topic that will help you to connect with others and then lead. Connected leadership, it matters. Remember to subscribe and thanks for listening. Okay, let's do this. All right, so let's take a look at this in a little bit more detail from a leadership perspective. Let's, uh, let's start in the upper left. A culture of fear is a very useful tactic and technique employed by leaders throughout history, if you were to look at it. And even in this day and age, there's often leaders that lead by a culture of fear. Would you agree or disagree? So how would you know that a leader is using a culture of fear to motivate people? What are some examples of that? Anyone? Yeah. Okay, and in what way? Like, right, right. Certainly it's, it's not a, hey, you know what, let's enact change, bias towards action. It's, there will be consequences and probably negative. And they'll let you know that, right? That'll be the first thing. It's not, hey, good work. You know, I hope you do well. It's like, don't screw this up, right? Yes? Uh, yeah, you're right. Because, and we'll talk about the impact of the culture of fear. Uh, but here's, here's why it's used so often. It's a very direct, easy technique. It really is. And it gets you short-term success. It really does. Like, if somebody's using a culture of fear on me, I'll do it, of course. I'll, I'll do, but I'll do the bare minimum. Just so I, I have to, you know, just so I don't get in trouble. But I'm certainly not going to be extending my respect to them, for example. So culture of fear, we see that all of the time. And I think that's something that has to go away. All right, so the, uh, the individual in the middle, that's the authoritarian. That's, you know, kind of the leader-centric style of leadership where it's really all about me. And I remember as a young leader, when I uh, got into uh, search and rescue, for example, I was however old, 20, 25 now. Uh, But, (laughs) wow, that was funny. Oh, this is a tough crowd, I got it. Okay. Um, I thought, when I got the president job, I'm like, yeah, baby, finally. I'm gonna be able to do everything I want. This is about me. I would run meetings, and I was like, I thought I was so important. I really did. I had this, this ego because it was about me. And it was about, all about, look, dude, I'm president. Like, I'm a pretty big deal, and you don't need to agree with me. Because I actually don't, I literally didn't care. Honestly, I didn't care. But as I've gotten slightly older, a little bit more mature, I can see now over the past years the impact that that has. So we'll talk about that. This individual in the upper right, he's a micromanager. Thank goodness no one micromanages anymore. This is one of my favorites, actually. Um, 
if basically, uh, what's interesting about micromanagement, and, and, and I won't offend, I, I don't mean to offend anybody here, but the terms, I, I remember working many times for a person that was probably deemed as a micromanager. I not once in an interview or a conversation with them heard them say, you know what, just so you know, I'm a micromanager. Just, that's my style, I'm a micromanager. I've heard words like detail-oriented, involved, helpful, you know, all of those types of things. So even now, it's, if I hear the word involved, unfortunately, that's like micromanager in my, you know, on one side of the shoulder. So the problem with micromanagement is that you're really telling the person that you're micromanaging that you don't respect them. You don't value their opinion. And here's the, here's the rub. Micromanagers don't do it on purpose. Like, they don't walk into the office and say, you know what, today, I'm actually going to micromanage the heck out of the team today. That's going to be my goal today. They don't do it because they're doing it on purpose. It's because there are a bunch of other things at play. Here's the other interesting thing. Take a look at the bigger picture. If you work for somebody that's detail-oriented, look at what, who their boss is or their boss's boss. Because there's a tendency for us just to kind of blame our immediate supervisor. But think about what's the next level up. Because here's the thing, if I'm getting micromanaged, sure as heck I'm going to try not to, but I'm going to deep dive in. And from a project perspective, I find it really interesting because, you know, a sponsor and steering committee and those types of things. I remember having conversations with EVPs and in one particular project, which I'll talk about, with the CEO. And the EVPs are talking about a programmer. Like, this is an individual that's running the keyboard. Like, they are a mouse and keyboard kind of person. And they're like, hey, does he need to get fired? Well, hey, how about let's not worry about the detail of this poor individual here. How about, and there's a whole bunch of things at play. But now when, when that starts to happen, what does that do to the project team? When individuals from the CEO down to, again, this poor guy, fantastic worker, he's just running the keyboard. That's what he's doing. And now there's a concern there. Now, that was an isolated incident, and luckily we worked through that for sure. But, um, but think about the impact that that has on the rest of the people. You know, the old school approach, I won't get into the whole gender bias. I don't have enough time. But here's the interesting thing. Newsflash, women can lead. Holy, that's interesting. Guess what? Anybody can lead. Anybody can learn those skills. Let them. Let them. I don't care that your leader was a man or a woman. I don't care. I literally do not care. What I find so interesting, though, is that anytime, and we won't go deep dive into this too much, but here's the other, anytime we have a, an exercise or, you know, anytime group work, and I'll be honest, there is an instinctive view towards a female in the, in the room or at the table to take notes. So I'm just asking you to just think about that. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case all the time, but there again is that subconscious leadership style that sometimes we, uh, we, we execute on.
How about this? Tom Hanks, Madonna, A League of Their Own. Do you remember this part? Anyone remember what, uh, what he said there? Are you crying? <laughs> you know, he goes in the dugout and she's crying. So he's like, are you crying? Are, are you crying? And she's like, mm-hmm. And what does he say? There's no crying in baseball, right? Right? So that is still very much prevalent. It really, now I'm not saying that your boss would go into their office and then walk out and say, hey, are you crying? There's no crying at McEwen, right? I hope. <laughs> but I love that scene. Anyways, that is still very much out there. You know, this whole attitude of don't show your emotion, be uh, this uh, solid rock, be the foundation, you know, you know those, those sorts of concepts. So this is really a, a, a cross-section of, of leadership styles and modes that we've seen throughout our careers and will continue to see, frankly. But we have a real good opportunity here uh, because this really does need to change. It really, really does. This, these styles worked really well when the problems weren't very complex. You know what? If I had an issue with somebody, I would just go up back in the day and I would deal with that. Pretty direct. There are a lot of issues. Project management, really good example. There is a lot of things that go wrong. It's just inherent in the system, especially when you're doing IT and something like PeopleSoft. We, we used SAP with, uh, with a former company. But absolutely, you're talking about changing processes, business processes to align with the technology and meeting, meeting somewhere in between. I'm from IT, so I remember many times being in boardrooms, for example, saying, business, I don't know what they need, but here is what we think they need, and we're actually just going to implement a new system for them, and they're going to love us. And it doesn't... It never went well, for example. So we want a lot more collaboration. It starts with the leaders.